listening to another sermon podcast presented by Chelsea Presbyterian Church. Located in Chelsea, Alabama, we value community, fellowship, and love for people from all walks of life. For more information, find us online at www.chelseaprez.org or check us out on Facebook. All right, here we go. Um, last part of our series on generosity. And I have not been fired yet, so I'm going to keep going, and we're going to complete this in, in that way. And uh, even uh, in the midst of, uh, you know, it's a tough time. I've heard, I've been talking to people all through this series, and even before and after. There's, a, I mean, a lot of people right now are just financially strapped. Uh, we're uh, struggling. A lot of us are just, you know, trying to make ends meet. Uh, you'd be surprised uh, at the people in our community. Uh, not just our church community, but at large, that you would think have it all together financially that are struggling more than some people that you would think, you know, are, are would be struggling. And so all of that to say that, that that here we are today in this idea of generosity. And, and what I loved last week is I talked to somebody. We were in our second part of our generosity series uh, last week. We only got one more to go. Then we're going into First and Second Samuel. So we'll be taking a break from this whole money thing. But somebody was talking about last week. They're like. Uh, you know, I said, well, you know, this is kind of a hard series to talk about in a lot of ways. You know, I'm convicted more than anybody else as far as what I do with my money. And somebody said, wait, you've been talking about money? I was like, ah, must be doing something right. You know, talking about generosity and they didn't know I was thinking about money. Or they just kind of blocked that part off. I don't know which part it was. So anyway, here we are in our last series. And here's what we've been talking about over and over again. And this is why I don't mind talking about money. Number one, Jesus talked about money all the time, but not in the way that churches today talk about giving and not in the way that the leaders in his day talk about it. Because if the people that are, uh, that are consistently generous people are not people that are given by guilt or duty or obligation about how much they need to do, it's only by realizing the idea that God is generous to us and he pours that out. And as we contemplate what we get that we didn't deserve or that everything is a gift no matter what it is and, and basically that God owns it, then we'll never, we'll never get to the place where we're going to be generous. And I'm not talking about giving back to God because he gave to you because you cannot outgive God. God is telling you us to get off the equation. But the second thing, we talked about the, the heart of generosity last week, meaning without truth uh, transformation by the Holy Spirit, you're never going to be able to give to what God is calling you to generously or even sacrificially. So today we're going to end this series. We talked about the generosity of God. We talked about the heart of generosity last week. Now we're going to talk about what the outcome of generosity is. So let's look at our passages for the day. If you have your Bibles, you can look at Acts and then also uh, 2 Corinthians 9. Uh, if you do not have your Bibles, of course, or you don't want to try to flip back and forth, uh, you can always look at our order of worship for your convenience that has the scripture in there. So let's see what the Bible again has to say about giving. Acts 20, 32 says this, And in all things I've shown you that by working hard in this way we must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said to himself, It is more blessed to give than receive. St. Corinthians 9 says this, The point is this, Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly 
or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all kind of things at all times, you may abound in every good work that is written. He has distributed, talking about God, He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor, and His righteousness endures forever. And look at verse 10 here. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increasing your harvest and your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father God, thank you for your words. I thank you all that they're, they're not my words. They're my opinion. These are things that you would have us to think about giving uh, because we all want to twist the Bible. We want to, we want to blank out places that we don't like, and we want to turn things into something that we do like. Lord, may we get a clear picture of what you really want us to do by way of giving today because we know it's not out of duty or out of guilt. Let us put that out of our mind. What is it that you want us to give out of? Let us see that today. In Jesus' name, amen. So the Bible talks about money, and we're talking about this from the beginning. We're talking about generosity. We're not just talking about money. We're talking about our resources. Some of those resources are just relationally our resources. Are we generous with our time to other people? Are we pursuing other people that have needs uh, and trying to serve them in some way? Are we generous with our, our, our compliments to one another? Are we generous with our attention to one another and being present with one another? And not just our immediate family, but seeking those out and, and having an idea around us of what those needs are. But see, when we talk about money and resources, a lot of times the church doesn't fully represent all that God wants us to see about the teachings regarding money. First of all, money is not evil. The Bible never says that. It never even pretends to say that. It only says the love of money is evil. See, money's just a tool. This is what we've got to see it as. It's just currency. It can be used for much good, and it can do a lot of damage. Money is also power. It can be an idol in our lives, something that you love too much and make your ultimate treasure. Money and the drive to make money can make claims on our lives in ways that we don't want to admit. We can be so blind to greed and not even know it. Sometimes if you have money, you think it makes you better than other people. Or if you don't have it, you think you're inferior. Or you think other people owe you in ways that maybe they don't. See, in other words, money is so easy for money to distort our reality. This is why we got to go back to God and how he views it. See, we love the security and status, and I know I do the security and the status that money provides and we hate the bondage of debt and the slavery of knowing that we can't live without money or the drive sometimes that we have of having always needed or having always wanted to the degree that it consumes our lives and our schedules to where we, we will rearrange everything to make it. And the Bible is full of interesting people uh, in their money. Think about the, some of the people that Jesus encountered. Zacchaeus um, was, was rich and uh, he, he was a man of, of a lot of money. And after hearing the teachings of Jesus, he gave away half his wealth. But guess what? He was still wealthy. That's one person. 
but he but he, he saw it uh, as something he could do and he'd still be rich. Jesus told a rich politician to give away all his money because he knew that was the thing standing between him and God. And until he did that, he would never get to where he needed to be with God. And the guy couldn't do it. And he walked away, sad and disappointed in himself. And then you have Jesus in the synagogue, and this poor woman comes up, and she gives literally her last penny in the offering tray. And Jesus told her, she's given more than anybody else in this room. See, these are different stories, different times, different people. There's not a one-size-fits-all in this room of what God's doing in your life in relation to your money. I don't know where you are. Matter of fact, as a pastor, I don't know what anybody gives in this church, and I don't want to. You know what? I, that's one of the things that I've, I've learned from my mentors. Like, that's just a good idea. Because I don't know my own heart. I might start treating people different. I hope I don't treat people different if I knew that. But, but I might. So there's different ways that we all act around money, and that's what the Bible is really getting at. So this morning, let's talk about the idea that, that we're, first of all, we all, in some way, are controlled by money in different ways, but we can all break free of that control by certain principles that the Bible helps us with today. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about three points, and those are in the uh, order of worship outline today. And again, it doesn't matter if you have a lot of money or you don't have much at all. These all apply. And you're going to see how today. We're going to talk about the outcome of blessedness, the outcome of cheerfulness when you're when you're being generous, and then the outcome of thankfulness when you're being generous. <coughs> Excuse me. Let's look at verse 35 in Acts again. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of, Jesus, of the Lord Jesus, how he said himself, it is more blessed to give than receive. So two guiding principles, two directives he gives from the outset here about giving. First of all, he says, uh, we should always think about these things. Anytime we have money, anytime we are being given resources, we need to think about who is it that we can help. And we need to think about what Jesus said. It's more blessed to give than receive. Who are the weak that he's talking about here? He's really talking about the sick, the disabled, the people that physically can't work anymore, people in need, basically, because of their, like, some kind of external or internal circumstance, they can't make a living. That's the first people we think about. And then the second thing, you have the words of Jesus where he says it's more blessed to receive uh, than to give. But this blessed and, and or blessed and blessed, the way you think, we, we always think about the idea that, oh, we give and we get blessed. That's not what he's talking about here. It's more of the people that are givers, more than receivers, have this deep sense of satisfaction, this inner peace, and this joy, this soul happiness that you can't give by always being on the receiving end. Anytime, like I said, anytime we get money, we are told to consider this verse. The irony of the Bible, this is the weirdest thing. This it blows my mind. The irony of how the Bible instructs us to break the bondage of or the control of money is to give it away. At first you say, whoa, whoa, wait. Are you saying that if I feel like I don't have enough money uh, that I can actually be more generous, that I just need to give more? This is exactly what I'm saying. This is what the Bible is saying. So how can that be true? Well, let's get down to the real deal. And this is true about me, my wife, and all our hearts. 
when you think about it this way, looking back at our lives, at our in our our marriage, there are several reasons, a couple of reasons why we never got to the point where we we were giving. One is a lot of people just haven't been given a good reason to give in the Bible. They've been felt made to feel guilty. Uh, they don't know really what the Bible is asking by way of giving. They don't really know the categories in the Bible. You know, the types of giving in the Bible, for instance, the idea of tithing. Everybody thinks tithing is just giving whatever you want to in the offering plate. That's not it. It's 10%. That's a baseline. And then you have this idea of that's the baseline. Now you can really start giving and thinking about it generously where you give above and beyond. And then sacrificially in a way that actually puts a strain on your lifestyle and your spending of what you do. See, most of the time it's not. Here's the thing. It's not that we're intentionally greedy or, or stingy or even mad at God or anything like that. We're just kind of blind to the control that money has. It's not that God wants or needs our money. He's saying, these commitments are for you. These are the things that if you're not doing in your life, more and more money is going to get controlled and you're going to be in bondage of it. And it's never going to be a matter of how much you make or don't make. It's never going to be a matter of if I just get to this point because when I played that game in my life before. It doesn't happen that way. The only way that we can actually break the bondage of that is what we're talking about today. So how do we get there? Well, let's talk about it. Let's look at how Jesus breaks the power of money in our lives. Look at uh, number two, the outcome of cheerfulness. So the first one is what will be blessed. Not give blessing, but be satisfied, deep-rooted happiness. Second thing, cheerfulness. Look at this, he says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly, they're going to reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully, or reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly, not under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Try to get us off the equation again. But like, do you feel guilty? If, you're, if you feel like people are making you do this, it's not going to help when you give. God loves a cheerful giver. And that God is able to make grace abound in you. And so having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. It is written, he is freely, he has distributed freely. And he has given to the poor. You know who the poor is? We are. And the righteous endure forever. So first thing here we say, don't give out of compulsion and reluctance. What does that look like? Well, what we talked about before, you've got to give according to your heart. That's a big principle that we've talked about all throughout this series. Generosity never starts by looking at your bank account. It always starts by looking at your heart. I don't know another way to say it. That's what we've said time and time again here. What does God want? Money? No. He wants your heart. He wants a cheerful giver. Does that mean that if you don't want to give, I'd like for it to mean this way. If you don't want to give or you resent giving your money away, that you should never do it, that would be the part of me like, yeah, I hope that's right. <laughs> no, that would be just an excuse. It would be a cop-out, and we know that. Look at verse 8. He's basically talking about the idea that if you don't think you can give, when you don't want to give, that is when you should give. That is when you pray, God, give me provision to give. Give me the grace to give. So that we are reminded that God is the source of our income, not whatever person we work for or not ourselves. Anything that you have was given to God, or and he gave you the, 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 the discernment and the ability to make that money. The rest, and so you, we need to rest in this ability to change not only our heart, but sometimes to change our situation. 
Here's what I'm praying about. I mean, I'm saying, it's not only saying, God changed my heart in this, and I don't have that much to give, but I'm going to step out of faith, and I'm going to give. But, God, would you increase what I have so that I can give more in relation to this? Now, let's look at the third point, the outcome of thankfulness. Verse 10 says, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing. Increase the harvest of your righteousness, and you will be enriched in every way, to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. I mean, think about it. When we view it as coming from God, and then we view what we have as God's, thanking Him to say, God, you're letting me be a part of this. I'm just a steward in this. I'm, I'm just, I'm your son that you, you've given me all these great resources. And you're looking at me like, what are you going to do with that? Because I poured into you, will you pour into others? And this verse can be summed up in one sentence. God is the one who gives you what you have and increases your wealth. And when you realize that, you will be generous. If you start thinking it's all about what you've done, or what, and, and the right decisions you made, I tell, you, tell people all the time, okay, maybe it is, but who gave you the ability to make those decisions? God and His grace. So what we have here is this. When we begin to really understand everything that we've talked about in this series, let me give you the last, last few points of what's going to happen in our lives. If we really start to believe this, if we really pray through this, if we really receive these words and it sinks deep into our heart, let me tell you a few things that, that's going to happen. Um, we're going to be able to realize that our power and our status and our identity is not bound up in money, but it's bound up in Jesus. And for some of us, it will mean that we're going to feel less and less controlled by money. Some Christians say they don't want money or they look down on other people in that way and they make little digs of, of people that have money uh, as if they haven't really given uh, what they should. They, it's really because they feel inferior a lot of times around people that make money. Is that really despising money? Is that what we're, not, we're talking about here? No. It still shows you can be controlled by it. See, you can make, here's, here's the point, you can make plenty of money and it not be an idol and you can make no money and it can be an idol. What do you think about all the time? What are you, are you trying to hold on to it all the time? Are you always thinking about ways that you can make it all the time? So you can be an idol if you have no money or you have all the money in the world. It's what you value, you place on that money and what you seek to get back from it. You gotta think about that. Second of all, some of us through this series, hopefully, we will stop viewing giving as something we have to do, but get to do. And therefore, when you get to that point, you'll start giving, not just tithing, but generously and even sacrificially. So we take it in small steps. This is what people have told me all my life, and I think it's true. If, if, if I wasn't giving, or if you're not giving, give something. And I'm not talking about to the church, I'm talking about all your resources to everything you're involved in. There are other places doing a lot of great work in the community. It's not just our local community. And as I've said before, our church is not desperate for money. Don't think it's don't think it is. We're not. Matter of fact, we're like Jesus. We don't we don't want your money if it's going to come that way. We want your heart. But there's other things too. If if, if you argue with some, shoot for that ten percent. If you're tithing, can you give generously? Have you challenged yourself in that way? Have you thought about it? If not, is there a hold that money has that, that you haven't realized again? Again, not because 
desperation for money, because they're not, but for the sake of transforming and challenging your heart and taking spiritual inventory of what many, what really money is in our lives. Some of you in here are going to make more and more money. Some of us will not. But all of us, I hope, will become radically generous because we're not afraid anymore. We don't find our security in dollar signs anymore. We can hold on to it lightly. We know if it's gone tomorrow, we're going to be okay. We don't struggle to keep it. We'll be hopefully utterly generous with our possessions because we know that ultimately they're never going to give us the security and status that we think that they are. Only God can do that. Listen, giving can be so hard. I know. I've struggled with it all my life. Trust me. And then when I think about not just 10% or just giving or just, you know, that, when I start thinking about giving generously and sacrificially, it makes me want to throw up. I mean, it seems like it's dang near impossible to me at this point in my life, but I've said that every point in my life. So what do we do? We look to God to help us and to change us, and we look to the cross because we've got to do with our treasure and resources what Jesus did to his, his and he just let it go. He just poured it out. For some of us right now, giving it all would feel like a huge sacrifice, and I get it, but see, when we're feeling a little pain in our giving, we're feeling a little bit of the cross. You're uniting yourself in the sacrifice that Jesus made, and it may feel like death, but pouring out your treasure in the way Jesus did always will. For some of us, giving 10%, no cross at all. For others, it will be a huge commitment. But if we never feel there's any sacrifice of giving at all, it usually means in some way we're still controlled by money. And you will never know the deep freedom and the joy until you feel the weight of that control of money in your life lifted off your shoulders. You'll never feel that. I pray that for you and for me and my family that we will just look at the cross for the power to do this. We can't do it on our own. It's just too hard. We love money too much. May God bless our congregation financially. And may we live generously and sacrificially. And may we invest in the things that really matter for all eternity. Let's pray that together. Let's pray that God will give us the grace to do that. Let's pray. Father God, thank you uh, for these words. Thank you for the power that's there. If we will just look to you for it. Uh, Lord, these are, these are not... Statements are appointed of any one person or our church. They're just, um, as I said before, our, you've been so good to our church. I mean, you've provided so much. But we know that our hearts need these words if we're ever going to break out into living a lifestyle, not just with our money, but everything we do, a lifestyle of others before ourselves. A lifestyle of giving generously, pursuing needs, serving without expectation, and ultimately sacrificing our life for others, laying down our lives for others. Lord, thank you for the model you've given us in that. We can't do that. You've done it for us. We're just so grateful. May we rest in that in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed today's sermon. We want to remind our listeners that our doors are always open at Chelsea Presbyterian Church, and we invite all our listeners to join us for worship.
You can visit us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at Chelsea Middle School. To hear more of our sermons from our church or for more information, you can find us online at www.chelseaprez.org or check us out on Facebook.